Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, his really is the story of how one teacher can change your life forever. Welcome Zachary Quinto to the podcast. Zachary Quinto is here right now on Little Known Facts. I'm sure you may have heard, but he was a part of the Boys in the Band, which won the Tony this year for Best Revival. Uh, and he's here right now in my living room. This is crazy. <laughs> Zachary Quinto. I didn't even see you there. Hi. I'm, I've been here the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. So the guy I was talking to who looked just like Zachary Quinto was, in fact, It was you. me. Not your stand-in. It was actually me. It was actually I am a, my own stand-in. Are you? When you're on a... <laughs> That's the name. If you were to write a memoir, is that what it would be called? I have my own stand-in. <laughs> I have my um, own. I sometimes I will be like, I got this, you know. Sure, Guys, I'm not? here. You know, I'm happy like, to help. Please, take a load off. Carrots up. need cutting. I got you. <laughs> I slice, I dice. I will wash the lettuce. Are you a team player in that way? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way, but we're friends. Yeah, I know. I like to be. I try to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the circumstances dictate. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, any kind of creative pursuit is about collaboration. It has to be. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, 
there is a, a responsibility to show up with that attitude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what's unusual about the win for that show is it had closed. Yeah, and a year ago. And you're like, what? Right. Did I do that show? Right, right. So you it's all had, gathered together. Yeah, we were all there. Um, Looking handsome. Oh, thanks. It was really fun. It was really, I kind of knew we were going to win. Is that weird? Do you say? have that kind of like intuition in I general? I don't know. It just feels like the moment for, you know, that play. Yeah. You know, it's never been on Broadway. Mart Crawley, who wrote the play, you know, I don't know. It just feels like it's Pride Month. It's the 50th totally. anniversary of Stonewall. Yes. There's a lot of. There's a lot in the ether yeah, in the air that. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I saw. I think all the other nominated plays, and they were all fantastic. And I don't know, I don't know, I didn't, I wasn't attached to it in any way. Right. Um, but I just had this sixth sense that it was going to go our way, and I'm, I'm really, I'm so grateful that it did for Mart. I mean, it was such a joy to watch him accept that award. It was and beautiful. It was, yeah. It was really moving. Talk about like, life is so. Like, you just don't know. I'm going to write this play. How many years ago was the original production? 51 now. And that he's, like, here. Yeah. Like, how many of us are here to kind of witness 51 years later? And really here. Like, Mart is really vital and really amazing and engaged. And, you know, it was really sweet to be a part of the production with him and then to see it come full circle with Tony's Night was really great. It was amazing. And just to Mm. see you guys all in a row and obviously the thing about that play is like everyone in this play about gay men in New York are gay men in New York like really? extraordinary everybody everyone not in me the, no when i say everyone i mean everyone me. but you clearly yeah we all are if you look up everyone in the dictionary <laughs> it's everyone except, except zachary me. quinto um yeah everybody all, 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 an entire cast of openly gay actors. Well, let's talk about that, because all kidding aside, Mm. obviously I didn't just out you on little known facts, although that would be, for ratings, freaking (laughs) amazing. Um, But but let's talk about that, because in the world we live in now, I've had so many people on my show who are younger than I am, who, for whatever reason, like, it, it, it wasn't traumatic. And it was it was a lucky thing for them. They lived, you know, in that Malcolm Gladwell of it all, where they lived, who their family is, the mm. circumstances. It was not torturous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true for everyone right. in this generation and those before us. Mm-hmm. And who knows what's to come. Mm-hmm. But for you, you was it something that like came at a very specific moment in your life where it was like, I'm going to do this today? Was it gradual? You know, there's two. Well, there's I mean, your for, private. Exactly. For anybody in the public eye, you know, that, that in one way or another feels compelled to come out publicly, there's sort of two narratives, right? The private choices and timing and moments that lead to that public one. Right. So they were different um, for me. I mean, I am of that generation that still, you know, when I graduated from college 20 years ago, Carnegie Mellon. Um, Carnegie Mellon in uh, 1999. There was still a very powerful stigma associated with being openly gay in our business. And 
And that has changed drastically in the last 20 years, which is incredible. And yes, socially as well, these, the younger generations are finding it easier to come out earlier and yeah. you know, able to identify themselves in one way or another that feels authentic to who they are um, with more support and more infrastructure around them, I think, which is incredible yeah. you know, to think about how far we've come in a relatively short amount of time. So well, I, that's where as much as the internet as a parent and a human is not my best friend right, always. Right. Um, people are finding communities totally. of other like people to them. So yeah. if you grew up in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you or so Paris, isolated. right, exactly. like you can kind yeah. of connect. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh, okay. PA. And were there... Um, Gays. Pennsylvania is what PA is for yeah. those of you PA. all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, were there <laughs> Were there people in your life? Did you have role models or like... No, Anyone. I was I was raised pretty Catholic. You know, I mean, I I started I performing at a relatively young age. I was eleven when I started. Yeah. Um, I was certainly surrounded by people, um, gay people in that world, but I didn't feel safe to identify with them or to you know. Um, I felt like my sort of religious upbringing and my social conditioning all. Um, were geared toward making me feel like that was something wrong with me. Mm. Um, so I am, I am of that. I think I'm kind of right on the cusp, you know, of, of um, being in that at 25. space. What? At, at 25, 25 years old, which is my right age now. In the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Right down the middle. No, I, uh, I came out when I was 24, actually. Like I mark to your family. Correct. To, right. That's when I really mark. Like I came and I come out to friends and sort of you know, started to dip a toe in the water as it were, but I figure when I was 24 and I sat down with my mom and my brother and that really was the moment where I, I feel like um, I came out personally. Yeah. And then it was another almost 10 years before I came out publicly. Wow. Um, so uh, I came out in 2011 publicly and that was a very specific decision for yeah. me. Yeah, so and what, the, was, what was the I, I was doing, yeah, well I was, um, I had produced my first film, uh, which I also started in called Margin Call, and I was doing press for that, that film and there, and I had, I had just done Angels in America the year before at the Signature. And the I beautiful thought, revival of that play, uh, like incredible. Thanks. Yeah, it was a really incredible experience. Yeah. That was my first play in New York. I mean, um, if you're going to have a starter play. Come on, bring Unbelievable. It. Yeah. Who directed that production? Michael Greif. Okay. Yeah, I love Michael Greif. Yeah. So I thought that was going to be my opportunity to come out, actually. Right. I actually went to Michael and to Tony Kushner in rehearsal and just said, you know, I want to talk to you guys. I really feel like this might be a moment for me to, you know, because I was doing a lot of press around sure. it. And, and I actually had the opportunity. I did a, a profile for the New York Times. And uh, I remember the journalist sort of, he, he sort of lobbed me the ball. Do you remember uh, how or what uh, he, he said? He, he said something to the effect of there are a lot of people online who are interested in your dating life or, mm -hmm. you know, so he sort of like opened that 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 window and I just slammed it shut. And I was like, I would rather talk about the roles I play yes. than who I share my book. I mean, just like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. Um, but I just wasn't ready, you know? And uh, No one gets to decide for no you. No one does. And so during Angels in America, uh, it was the moment when the It Gets Better campaign was yeah. really sort of taking off. The Dan yeah. Savage started and, uh, and so I did an It Gets Better video, but I hadn't come out publicly. So I did this video and sort of aligned myself with all of these young people who were killing themselves that year. I don't know if you remember this, but there's a yeah. whole spate of teen suicides uh, resulting from 
bullying in yeah. the LGBT community. And I was horrified, of course, and I felt compelled to lend my support to that that yeah but but it, it was this weird but I you know I didn't I couldn't say like take it from me actually um, and then a few so months, what did you talk like those it gets better people told a personal anecdote right, right. so what did you sort of I, talk I about I talked about you know uh, I, I listed the names I said the names of all the kids and uh. said that I want to lend my voice to the you know chorus of, you know I just sort of talked around it basically yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and so about a year later, uh, this young kid named Jamie Rodemeyer uh, killed himself. And as I was reading about him, one of the things that came to light was that he had also made an It Gets Better video just a few months before he killed himself. And that was just like it. I mean, that was for me just like this moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I just made the decision for myself. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell any friends or family or agents or Producers. publicists or anybody. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing uh, an interview for New York Magazine, and I just referred to myself as a gay man twice in the interview. What, I did you, what was I going was on so in your body? I was so nervous. Yeah. I, we were at Cafe Clooney, and I knew going that I was going to do it. You know, yeah. and I was the only one who knew. And we were talking about Angels in America, actually. And I said, you know, as a gay man, and I could kind of like feel the journalists sort of like taking notes and like stopped for a second and then just like kept going and I was like did he get it like yeah. did he get it you know and so just to be sure I did it again later in the interview I was like as a gay man uh, did I mention I'm a gay yeah, man by the way yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was it and then and then you know and then after that I told people that you know that you're I'm like a it. bus driver I want to go to 42nd Street also maybe you're not familiar wow but what a yeah. liberating feeling it was I would it imagine. was amazing and honestly like I would never do it any other way I mean, the fact that I didn't have a bunch of people in my ear about yep. how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, I was just like, it's happening. And so it was great. is there like Zachary before that moment and Zachary after that moment? Um, I mean, I feel like there's kind of Zachary before a lot of moments and after yeah. a lot of moments. But yes, definitely. I, you know, I also like wrote a thing and put it up on the, you know, when the article came out, I then sort of wrote a, a piece that expressed why I did it and sort of, you know, talked about Jamie and right. uh, so. So just to contextualize yeah, it for people yeah, exactly, a little bit more. Exactly, yeah. Your career is sort of the stuff dreams are made of because you have gone, for, my dreams are made of, you have gone from like incredible play. Mm. I mean, first of all, your debut in New York being Angels in America. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, there's always this impression from the outside, like, oh yes, I handpick very carefully and then I'll do Glass Menagerie. Oh. I know that in reality, it's not like you literally get to just thumb through some catalog of I great wish. American, like nice? a canon of plays, yeah. like this, this and this. but. But the way that kind of sometimes luck, serendipity, yeah. being in the right place right. at the right time. Right. I feel like when I look through the list of stuff you've gotten to do, mm. so there's that, like mm. these beautiful plays, these unbelievable performances, your Tom in Glass Menagerie, your, what was the name of your character in Boys in the Band? Sorry. Harold. Harold. Yeah. First of all, they're so different. The yeah. idea that the same guy played both those parts is extraordinary. Uh, I love how you say extraordinary, by do the way. Do you? I, I um, like I when I it's hear you a on thing. the podcast. Like people, I don't realize. Am, am how I not much the first person that is? You're the first person who'd say it. Who like you have this baritone, this beautiful uh, voice. So when you say it, it means something. Extraordinary. It's great. <laughs> yes. I'm into it. <laughs> when I 
think about like the people who have worked their way up in their careers as writers, producers, and directors, and who they have chosen to kind of entrust mm. their beloved projects to, mm -hmm. it is you over mm. and over again. And the like wingspan of the kinds of things you've done. Mm. And then in the middle of it, when I talk about like the salivating from like the actor perspective, like the franchise mm. that is Star Trek, yeah. which talk about like the next generation, like there are many, many generations, not just of ideas about what Star Trek can be, but right. fans, yeah. like the grandfather and totally. the grandson going to see yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, and that you got to know this beloved icon, Leonard Nimoy, yeah. and become real friends. Oh yeah. So I would imagine, like when you got Star Trek, like you were doing great, but you were not a movie star. No. You were on your way. I had just gotten Heroes. It all like was that your first series regular. Thing? It was my. It was. It changed everything, you know, because um, my first audition for Heroes was the day it premiered. So my character didn't come in until like eight episodes in. Right. So they started auditioning for that role, just coincidentally, the day the show premiered that night. So I went in for my first audition not knowing what Heroes was. Not even was. being able to pretend like I loved it. Yeah, totally. It wasn't even on you. <laughs> yeah. And then but I do love it. the next day, it was literally like a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. So it was this crit. And so then I had a callback. How back. quickly did you find out that you got it? It was a bit of a process. They brought me back again, and then there was some debate, you know, and then I had to come back one more time for the showrunner, for Tim Kring, in the room. Mm -hmm. And and then I, if I would say it was probably about a two-week process. Not the worst. Not the not worst, the not the best. Yes. Um, are you a nervous auditioner, or are you like, I got this? I, um, I, I love auditioning. Uh, so I'm not a nervous auditioner. But at the time, there was a lot kind of writing on it. And so I feel like there was, you know, a lot of anticipation and anxiety about whether or not it would happen. Yeah. And then it happened. So point being, like, that was a, a define. There's definitely a bef Zach Quinto before that and after that. I love that it's called Heroes. Heroes, yeah. yeah. that's a good one. It was a good one. As a defining it was. name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Trek happened, like, kind of right away on the heels of that. So J.J. Yeah. Abrams was not involved in Heroes. No. So how does that, just because every guy I knew wanted to be a part of that movie or anything J.J. Abrams was doing, but yeah. specifically that, like, how did that happen? Okay, um, I was, I remember being at the gym in LA and like riding on a bike reading the LA Times and there was a big article about JJ and like his company and obviously I knew him. My first audition in LA ever was for Felicity. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I knew of him uh, and read this profile and was like, wow, like that seems like somebody really worth like what they're doing is kind mm -hmm. of amazing and mm -hmm. really, you know. Um, and then all this time later, Heroes happens and somebody in like my circle was like, did you hear they're doing uh, a Star Trek? Like, I feel like you should be It Spock. was me. It was you. Thank you. We <laughs> didn't even know each other yet, but it was still you. It's like, it would be extraordinary. Um, it would be Spock. extraordinary. <laughs> Uh, and so I was like, I wasn't a huge Star Trek fan, mind you, but I was a huge JJ fan. Are you allowed like, to say that out I loud? I've said, okay. it, I've said it a lot. Okay. No, I'm not going to front, you know. I'm a big Star Trek fan now. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I wasn't that sort of, but I, I thought. You were not that boy. I wasn't that boy. Yeah. No. What um, were, just to side 
bar for a second. You know, like what cast was your... album of like Jesus Christ Superstar and Hair. That was your Star Trek. Yeah, that was my Star Trek as a kid. I would like come home from school and put the cast album of Jesus Christ Superstar on the turntable and stand in the like Crank mantle of the fireplace and like sing, trying not to it. get happy. What is it? Try not to get, try not to get worried. Yeah. What's that song called? Try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset him. Yeah, no, keep going. Um, but anyway, so when this person, so then I was doing a bunch of press for Heroes, yeah. and people were like, what else do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I hear they're doing a Star Trek, uh, you know, that JJ's doing the Star Trek, I'd love to be Spock. I started talking about it in interviews. Why? Because I, I was like, why not? Did you feel like I, I could be Spock? Well, there's sure. lots of characters, but was there something like... I could definitely see the resemblance between me and Leonard, and yeah. I felt like, why, you know, I don't know. There was just this sort of... It I wasn't ears. even that conscious. Yeah, right. I have ears. Um, I have attached earlobes. Um, but I... Uh, and then, so what happened was, when they started casting, April Webster, the casting director, had kind of caught wind of these interviews I had given yeah. and called me in. I was the first person and the only person that they saw for the role. Uh, okay, I went in incredible. for an audition with her. And you're reading like Star Trek script language. Uh, I think there was it was one scene. Yeah. It was like a page and a half. It wasn't even that much material. I went in on a Sunday uh, on April fifteenth, two thousand seven. I remember. And April. then uh, yeah, and then I left town the next day for like two months to go on a trip, and like put myself on tape for April. And I came back uh, two days, or yeah, I came back like on my 30th birthday. Uh, and the day I got back, or the day after I got back, I got a call that JJ wanted to meet me. I went and met JJ, and then the next day I got the job. Did you have to read for him, no. or did he just want to talk to you? Just sat like this. All the great directors. Little known fact. Yeah, that's it. Totally. Wow. Yeah. And were you like, I think things have just changed for me. Well, by that aware? time, it was like winning the lottery twice. I mean, it was like I'd already felt like heroes weren't yeah, enough. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that time was so heady. It was such a... When you're on Heroes, are uh, you suddenly getting recognized? Every, like, are you dealing with the transition of private Zachary yeah, to... Yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. was that at first exciting and... Or strange, um, or all of it. I mean, it was weird, but I felt like I, you know, it happened to me at thirty, not twenty. Yeah. So I feel like you know I had done enough work on but myself. But thirty is the new twenty. Thirty is the new. Forty is the new. Twenty. Twenty. I hope. Um, Fifteen. But yeah, forty is the new. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean, I feel like you know that's been an ongoing sort of you know that just that always is part of my experience on some level, I think, but not in any way that's like. It's not been corruptive. Did you do Star Trek at the same time as Heroes, or did Heroes end and then you start Star Trek? That's also the craziest part of it. It's yeah. all like the things that happened that I had no control over. Like, uh, so I got the role, and then it was like, how are we going to do this? You know. Um, and then they were like, well, you're going to have to. They were going to have to write me off of Heroes for at least a while, if not permanently. Um, and then the writer strike happened. And right. Star Trek was already written. Right. So we so shot Star Trek during the writer's strike. So while Heroes is on that yeah. hiatus, and then you go back to Heroes. Yeah. It was crazy. So do you feel like, have you always felt lucky? I don't know that I've always felt lucky, but I, I have always felt like there's a, there's a larger 
planet work, you know? And I don't necessarily know that I go so far as to call it fate or I don't know. I just think there's, there's like, there's larger, we're, you know, there's larger forces at play in our lives and all of our lives and yeah. all ways in our lives. And I think that that time for me exemplifies that and reinforces that fact. There were so many little, on April 14th, 2007, Heroes was awarded this TV Land Award for like whatever iconic sitcom show. And like we all showed up to the event and the award was presented by Leonard Nimoy. Right. The night before my audition. For, and, and I met him, but I didn't tell him that I was How come? going. Uh, it wasn't the right environment. And right. You're so I much cooler little, than me. I, I was, like Leonard. No, I mean, he was, you know, I didn't know. I just, it was enough to have contact with him That's and right. to shake his hand. That's right. Um, and to take that in the room with you the yeah, next day. Totally. Like a little, yeah. I mean, it's not something I'm revealing, although it's going to feel like a smash cut, but I know that you lost your father mm. when you were really young. I did. And I only make the connection because I wonder if you feel like there's a connection when you talk about kind of the universe or being looked out for some kind of something. Yeah. Do you... Because some people I know have no relationship to this question, who've lost people they love. Mm. And some people are like, I can't explain it. I feel him. I lost him too young, but there's still this relationship. Like yeah. where, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, my dad died when I was seven. Um, was he sick? He was, yeah, he had cancer. And the, the, you know, the impact of that was probably my life's most defining moment, you mm -hmm. know, and what it, how it shaped me and informed me. I don't think there's any way to have such an experience of death at such a young age and not to have a kind of deeper and broader awareness of life. Yeah. Um, and I feel very connected to my dad on a lot of levels. And Leonard, I never could have anticipated this, Yeah. but Leonard certainly um, came into my life to reflect that back at me in a way wow. that like, we were very close, we, we became very good friends. Um, and, uh, and for the last decade of his life, you know. Um, and he felt both friend and paternal yeah, in there, that Yeah, there became dynamic. over time this kind of paternal Wow. relationship but also like friends like he was he was so he was such a cool guy and uh, and I'm so grateful to have had the experience of really feeling like a part of his family you mm -hmm. know and I'm still in touch with his very very close with his wife Susan and and did um, that just happen over time I mean I know he made like cameo appearances yeah. or sort of once you were cast, were you guys put together? I, I mean, I sought him out. We spent a lot of time together. Um, I was lucky to be the one cast member who had um, their predecessor right. a part of the of the project. He was in the first um, two movies, and uh, and so I just was like, hey, can we hang out? You mm -hmm. know, started going to his house for lunch, and we would sit out on his you know veranda and talk, and he would tell me stories about Trek and life, and then. You know, his father was uh, a barber. My father was a barber, and you know there were a lot of parallels in yeah. our in our journeys. And uh, yeah, yeah, so and it just evolved from there. You said at eleven, mm -hmm. your career began in earnest, as it were. Was that uh, like, is that something you sought out, or did someone go like, 
I hear him singing Godspell in his living room. We could use him down the street. Uh, like, how did it start? It was start? my third grade music teacher, Miss Janice Smith. Is that your origin story? Yeah. Like, if you go back, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, she changed my life. So. And, like, I, you know, it's, uh, I have tried to find her. I don't know. How have you not found her? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if she's still with us. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. So you I haven't, I tried uh, to you haven't put like ads out in the I local. I haven't put ads out. No, <laughs> I haven't put ads out, but I, okay. I've looked. I've okay. looked online. Maybe I should look again. Anyway, yeah. in third grade, Janice Smith sent a note home with me from school to my mother in a sealed envelope. And, uh, and the note contained a clipping from the local newspaper in Pittsburgh, which was an audition announcement for this. Is, you asked me for a little known fact. No, I didn't. This is totally organic. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I brought one. And it was I, the little known fact was how yeah. I got started because I found this picture. Awesome. Um, which I'll share with you. This is exciting. So. It was a clipping for auditions for the Civic Light Opera Mini Stars. And a note that said, you know, I've, I've noticed how much Zach enjoys music class and thought this could be a good um, outlet for him. Yeah. You know, I think knowing that my mom was a single mom mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and my mom took me to these auditions. I had never, I didn't, literally didn't even know what Broadway was. Right. You had to sing a song. I sang America the Beautiful. Um, they were like, great, like, come back next week and maybe sing something from Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, what's Broadway? Um, and I went back to Miss Janice Smith and I said, I have to sing something from Broadway. And she taught me Consider Yourself from Oliver that week. And I went back the next week and I got into this group, the Civic Light Opera Mini Stars. That's great. incredible. Um, and, and that was that's the beginning yep. of and community and totally. obsessed. Are you obsessed? Is it like... I need to eat, sleep, drink this. Um, or? It was a process, right? Then, then I, you know, then yeah, then it, it became really like the Civic Lit Opera had like a, a school for young kids to, you know. So I enrolled in that, and I performed, and I, yes, over the next few years, it became something that was it's just like once it happened, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, this is. So you sing. I do. But you haven't done like a big. Yet, no. big Broadway musical. Is Actually, that something you have your... Also a little in fact, I do have my degree in musical theater from Carnegie Mellon. So... Um, but I I never really wanted to pursue Were you with Leslie it. Odom and like that he crew? He was... I think he was like four years younger than okay. me. He was like coming in as I was leaving. I think he um, and Rory O'Malley, there were like a bunch right. of them they that They might were... have been freshmen when I was a senior. Okay. But that would have been the only thing. Was yeah. Billy Porter your teacher also? No. Okay. No. He's like, I mean, this Tony night was very special. We got a Mama Rose out of Billy Porter. Totally. We got totally. your that Tony Rose, that you got to hold for a minute. That Mama Rose was... It went I viral mean, for a reason. But tell us, you were in the room. Like, I was we're just in the watching room. it on YouTube. Well, or, mind you, if yes. I may for a second, yeah. Billy and I were in Angels in America together yes. in 2010 and 11. And Billy was in such a different place in his life at that time. And I've known Billy for years from Pittsburgh and from right. theater here in New York. But, uh, but doing that play with him, uh, I really got to know him and adore him. Yeah. Uh, he is just such a, just such a unapologetically true to himself, um, enormously talented, giving, loving person. Um, and he was in, you know, I mean, I'm sure he would say this if he were here. Am I sure? I don't know. But he probably would. 
you know, he was in a very different place. And, yeah. and, and, and angels, I think, for him marked a real turning point mm -hmm. in his life and in his career. And, and it was like through Angels in America, we're getting toward the end of the run and we were all sort of talking about like, well, what's happening? And he was like, he was really, he really wanted to do this workshop of this musical called Kinky Boots mm -hmm. um, with Jerry Mitchell. And, you know, he was fighting for it and fighting for it. And it's just, I, he's one of those experiences that like, it makes me so happy to see where he is in his life. And that Mama Rose moment at Radio City Music Hall was just like the culmination of that. If I think about that Billy Porter versus the Billy Porter that I did that play with, right. it's like that journey is, there is something bigger than us at play. Mm -hmm. And like to see that for him and to know how much he's, he's wanted and also struggled yep. to find himself and to find his place and yeah. to see him take it with such... And to see I was also people... behind him on the red carpet at the oh, Tony Awards. So, so were you just I was waiting? Like, oh, okay, well, this is a real moment, <laughs> you know. Great. Oh, they're starting. Oh, I'm stepping on his train? Okay, excuse me. You know, like, there's, yeah. like, like yards of tool and yeah. the, anyway, it was yeah. gorgeous. You're like, I didn't know we were at the Met Ball. Totally. I didn't know, but well, we are. That was a whole other level of the thing. I yes. Mean, he's well, just, I just love it. You know, he's just, um, he's living his moment and yeah. it's so beautiful to see and he's so talented. So anyway, that was. Do you feel like you have, I don't mean in terms of like design and aesthetic, although I am someone who's watched your um Architectural Digest mm. open door video often mm -hmm. for just decorating ideas mm. for my own space right now. Idea. Yep. Um, but do you feel like where's that for you? Where's your moment of like, I worked really hard mm. and I gotta say out loud, I've, I feel successful. Mm. Have you ever said that? Do you feel successful? Sure, I feel really grateful. Um, it ebbs and flows, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, that time in, in 2007 and eight and nine when we were doing Heroes and Trek yeah. and it was this great moment of expansion and new experiences creatively and professionally and personally was amazing. I felt really successful in my personal life over the years mm -hmm. and you know, and then sometimes the professional stuff does a little contraction. It's, it's the thing that I've learned is you have to find it wherever you are. And the only place that you can find it that's truly valuable and meaningful is from within. And what does that mean in practice? What is, what is your practice um, I mean, that my, you can share without me being intrusive? My, well, that ship has sailed, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Where do you like, um, find that? You know, I found it in sobriety. Uh -huh. uh, I've been sober for three years, which has been an amazing expansion of my personal life and my point of view and uh, really changed my relationship with gratitude uh -huh. in a huge way. Um, and meditation has become a Did huge... Do they go hand in hand or um, was one already... Mm, I mean, sobriety came first. Uh -huh. And I don't think meditation would have come necessarily without sobriety. Who knows? I don't think it would have been as meaningful or sustainable without sobriety. But those are two defining. I mean, there's definitely a me before that and yeah. a me after that. Yes, um, you've had so many chapters. A lot of chapters. For, for a young man. Youngish. You look amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that was, that was a huge thing for me. And so do you feel like 
work feels different sober? Everything feels different because I'm really, I mean, you know, I wasn't like, my life wasn't like falling apart visibly, but inside of my experience, it was, it wasn't great in there, yeah. you know? And so I do feel like everything is different, mm -hmm. just different and better, mm -hmm. much better. What is the very first step in the beginning mm -hmm. of like making a really big change in your life? Um, wow, that's a tough one, I think, because it is so different for everybody. Yeah. It, it, there's no, it, it has to be experiential. Yeah. I think, you know, it can't be um, prescribed. And it can't be your journey. It and has it can't to be, be my journey. somebody else's. My yeah. journey is my journey. And I'm still figuring it out every day. You yeah. know, I'm still like, you know, there's, there are always little, little arrows that want to pierce this kind of um, perspective, you know, and, and if we let them, they will. You know, mm -hmm. you were talking about technology yeah. and, you know, social media and this, this culture we've created for ourselves and around ourselves, which is about, you know, what I don't have, what I want, who has what I want, right. you know, and it's so corrupting and it's really, I'm just really trying to figure out my relationship to it all. And so I would just say, like, listen to yourself and know yourself and surround yourself with people who will be there for you no matter mm -hmm. what. And, you know, um, I think anything is possible um, if you let it be. Oof, that sounds like Oh my God, we're gonna cut all of that out. Ball. That was terrible. She's <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anything. Listen to me. Zachary Quinto, thank you so much. Little known fact. I think you're extraordinary, <laughs> and I cannot imagine having more fun talking to anyone ever. Wow, that's too kind, and it's been an extraordinary afternoon. I hope you'll come back after you do that big, fat Broadway musical. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope there's no. a big, fat Broadway play before that. You do? You I want do. it in that order? Okay. I just am really ready to get back on stage okay. already. Okay, well, we're really ready for that Are to you? happen. All right, yeah. I hope so. We'll yeah. just put it out there. World. <laughs> Thank you, Zachary. Thank you. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, You'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts 2.0, Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that all of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting, 
confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end, uh, to watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to watchstage.com. Enjoy and I hope you like it.